to me, a, a craft brewery's sort of got to have a brewery. Yeah. It's got to have a head brewer who kind of is, you know, my kind of archetypal head brewer who looks like a head brewer. Mm. You know, they can be... Well, that's your story as well. That's your story. That's your marketing. Yeah. The fact that, the fact that Louise, the, the LA brewery, um, uh, the, their biggest headache is their biggest marketing weapon in that we make it in, in our own brewery in Suffolk. Yeah. Which is super fascinating. In terms of, um, we talked about this 1 million mark. Most people will be listening to this are on that journey. What's one, if you could like tattoo like a sentence of of wisdom there that they have to look at every day as they're going on that journey? Because as as every single person is is getting to that one million mark is just so hard. And that's, it's the point you've got to dig in. Like, yeah, what would you say for listeners? Well, you you know, you've you've got to believe that you're going to get to a million and you've got to have a plan. It's, it's, you've got to have a roadmap. You know, people who set budgets that they don't believe are going to deliver, you know, won't deliver them. But you've got to work out if you if, if you're saying, well, we're going to double our sales because I've just sold sold that to my investor, we're going to double our sales in the next couple of years, then how are you going to do it? What does it take? Count backwards, you know, if, if, if you're doing half a million at the moment, you're going to get to, you know, a million, two million in the next couple of years. How, how does that work? Who, you know, what customers do we need to get into? How's that going to work? And, you know, you need to do a a tight timeline. I mean, I you know, you so often you see five year plans, and 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 the first year is quite detailed. And then, I mean, I look at you know investment decks almost every day, and there's quite a lot of detail about the next few months. And then it all gets rather vague as as the as the hockey stick kicks off, and and you know people are going to get up to five, ten, fifty million. Well, how's that going to happen? I'm not interested in that. You know, I want to know how you're going to get from half a million to a million. So so spell it out in micro detail i want to know who you are what experience you've got who you're missing you know who's 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 who do you need to take you on that journey well if you haven't got them there then then it's not going to happen or it's not going to happen as as easily as you need it to what do you what do you see in the in the in the best plans you see what are the consistent things as you say you see in great what- people great great people not not a kind of you know not a kind of manchester city a team all lined up you know i say you've got to play in position but you know if i'm if i'm putting on my investor hat it's 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 got to be a team so a team to me is more than one person yeah and um so it needs to be a credible team you know you need to have very strong financial resources you you know in a way your your financial the person who's sort of keeping the score needs to be way better than than the business can afford so you somehow need to come together. You, you need to put together a, 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 you know, a chief financial officer function. Whether it's a combination of somebody who comes in one day a week and somebody who's kind of ambitious and not quite up to doing it on their own. However you do it, but you just need. I've seen so many businesses struggle, including my own in the past, where you had, you know, not good enough. Um, financial resources where the the weekly numbers were coming out late and you didn't trust them and so everything falls apart from that so to me you know that's that's kind of boring stuff but you know i i can't do that for me i need someone i've had a business partner for most of my life since Govent garden soup who just did that who Mm. you know whenever i say it's going really well he would go off to prove to me that it was doing really badly 
And, you know, having someone who's just keeping a very, very accurate record enables you to do all of the stuff that you, the, 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 the founder or you, the sort of brand visionary can do because there's somebody who's kind of keeping tabs on it. Mm. So to me, that's the, that's the bit. And that person or that function or that attitude will, you know, will drive the detailed business plan. And and as I say, years three to five will, um, years three to five will 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 sort of fall into place if you get one and two right. But you know, so often you say, well, how come there's this great hockey stick in years four and five of the five year business plan? Oh, well, it's new product development. Well, where's the new product development? Well, that's happening in years and four and five. Well, have you ever seen new product development deliver great volumes in the first and second year? I mean, most of the time it fails. So start. So if you're gonna you're gonna have great results from new product development in years four and five let's see that let's see how that's going to take shape in year one and that's probably all cost in year one mm. so put that in your plan what else do you see that's wrong do you think that's quite a lot isn't it there is but this is just digging a little bit deeper so i said you know i said you need really good people but i mean not that doesn't necessarily mean people who've come from very large companies who've been you know done lots of courses it just means people who listen and, and learn from listening again i see people who just keep doing the same old thing and you know keep plugging away i i you know people come with business plans and and businesses and and you, you know they say what do you think of my idea and I think, well it's, it's it's you know i don't know it sounds sounds good to me i'm i get very excited about new ideas anyway but is it working and well it's kind of half working well which tell me about the half bit well how are you going to make the half bit a three-quarter bit it's people who, you know, nothing. If you if you look at the best businesses and and look at where they started, if the you know the idea in the bath and how it ended up, let's let's track that. And you know, you and I have just been out into our farmyard, and you've met Alice, who is a young chef, and I love having her here. Not only because she makes delicious food, but watching the way a chef changes their business the whole time, you know, because. I mean, you've got the, the luxury of it. Your business cycles are very, very short. You know, I put something on a menu and, and that sold and that didn't sell. Well, I dropped the thing that didn't sell. But just the way she came here, you know, in 2021, so two years ago with an idea, sort of tail end of the pandemic, and we're now probably onto version 5.0 of it because she's just, she's out there, she's looking, she's listening She's got a million ideas of her own. She's testing them. And, you know, it's easier if you're running that sort of format. It's a small business. You're, you're, you're facing the customers the whole time. You're cooking. You can change. You haven't invested in a lot of stainless steel. But I'm just saying that that ability to, to pivot again and again and again as you, as you see stuff is, to me, is that's, that's vital. And I see businesses that do that. And I see business founders who are capable of doing that. And I see business founders who are hell-bent on getting the bloody customers to accept what they wanted to do in the first place. And mm. and, and you'll, you'll fail. Mm. You'll fail. Someone else will do it. It's, Someone yeah, else will it's, watch it's like, it. It's like the pursuit of the... I know, again, it's ironic me saying this after we talked about the, the unicorn in, in the States, but it's like that whole Silicon Valley product market fit. It's like you ask enough questions, you iterate, 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 and it, and it links up. Quick one, guys. Espresso's have got a brand new sponsor, Unleashed. Unleashed is inventory management software that talks directly to your finance and econ software. We use Unleashed daily at Islands. I bloody love it. We've cut our admin time in half, saving approximately 30k a year. 
Why use it? Save money, save headaches, save stress. Get granular clarity on your margins. Know where your stock is. Don't miss availability. Look, your favorite brands literally use Unleashed as their backbone. Candy Kiddens, Tiny Rebel, Trip, all these religiously. Look, there's a link in the show notes. Please feel free to book in a call with Josh and his wonderful sales team at Unleashed. They're amazing. Even nothing comes of it. And even better news, you'll get your first month free if you reference Hungary. Thank you. I think one of the quotes I love is by um, Oasis, which it may escape me, but it's a lyric of theirs, which is um, the best uh, the best answers are questions, or, or the question lies in the answer. The answer lies in the question, sorry. What, what do you think are some questions um, p- people listening to this podcast should be constantly asking themselves to build household brands? Ed, Ed Perry from Cook talks about positive paranoia, about, you know, as a founder, having that, that thing that keeps you awake at night, but is actually really positive. What would you say are those one to two questions? Well, I mean, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a pretty good one. And that's a great brand, isn't it? I think, you know, what's this, you know, I'm just saying, what's this for? We started off or we nearly started off by talking about, about purpose. And I think the word purpose has been, slightly hijacked by by you know sort of the ESG um professionals and by the way I'm completely committed to all of that as well so it's, it's not a criticism but I just think what what is this for what are we trying to what are we trying to deliver with this because um I think by asking that question again and again and again you you kind of it, it, it helps you away from going down those blind alleys so, I mean, I'm going to use, you've asked me a general question, I'm going to be specific, but so LA Brewery, we're, we're, we're sort of two years into it and just before, I remember it's just before the pandemic, we've got a shareholder who's Dutch and she's very well connected with, with, with Heineken. And so we, we were invited to go and meet the head of No and Low at Heineken, who is a really impressive Italian or was an Italian woman. She's been told by presumably her boss to meet us because otherwise why on earth is she meeting three people who are walking across Amsterdam with some samples of kombucha. And she, um, we meet her, she's charming, she's invited, she's brought in some of her team. We're, we're having a nice but not very substantive meeting. Louise is pitching. And then half an hour into it, Louise says, do you want to try some? And they say, sure. And she says, the, 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 the head of No and Low says, as she tries it, she said, but, but this is delicious. And I said, why did you say but? And um, and she said, she confessed, basically. She, she, she hadn't tried, she didn't like kombucha. She hadn't tried any kombucha that she'd been impressed with, but she said, this is delicious. And she said, why are you calling it kombucha? And I got all defensive at that point. I said, well, because, you know, it is kombucha and, and it's a $2 billion sector in the States and it's flying over there and it's going to do the same in the UK. It's just not doing it at the moment. And mm. she said, well, so just, I just spent millions of pounds a year on research and, and on low and low. And I'm getting, you know, the feedback I get is people want something that's non-alcoholic. They want something that's naturally low in sugar. They want something that's delicious. And I've just tried it and this is delicious. And ideally that it's good for them. And you've got all four of these things, you know, in, in your drink and you're calling it kombucha. And nobody cares that it's kombucha. Nobody gives stuff that you, you are answering for big global needs you know in in a world that's awash with food and drink 
why are you and i kind of thought hang on a minute i've been in this business for a long time it's really annoying that you've said that and yeah, 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 you've yeah. just absolutely nailed it yeah yeah. And if yeah. you look at what's what we've been trying to do ever since with la brewery is 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 kind of recognizing it is kombucha and there are more and more people out there who do like kombucha so we don't want to kind of walk away from it but how do you in a new category how do you anyway that's a sort of you know you get the point but i'm just saying we should have asked that question. She, you know, it took an outsider to ask that question. But what are we for? What needs are we trying to answer? You know, this idea that Britain needs a whole load of kombucha because the West Coast and the East Coast of America seem to want a whole load of kombucha is not is it's woolly thinking. It's not it's not good enough. Mm. We should have been, you know, out there saying the you know, there's fifty percent of British people now saying they want to drink nothing alcoholic or a lot less. That is our purpose. How do we take this drink, this kombucha drink, which seems to sort of fulfil quite a lot of these things? How do we take that, and how do we absolutely nail that need? Because that is a big need. It's you know, it's a it's a political need. It's a you know, health need. It's a consumer taste need. How do we? That's you know, it needs that sort of clarity of thinking. I yeah, think. I think quite questions. And you said woolly thinking is great way of putting it. Questions kind of boil out the woolly thinking and, and can, can, can provide like lucid clarity sometimes yeah. to founders. Are there any other questions you think they should be asking themselves a lot that they don't? That you see, you know, you see a lot of founders that just don't ask themselves those questions that if they did could really impact the business in a positive way. Well, what did the cook guy say? You know, paranoia. I mean, I, I, I just think, you know, that kind of gets it all, isn't it? I just think, you know, it's, it's being restless. I've got a friend who chairs a family business in the Midlands that's been going since the 1850s. And it, I can't remember which, which year in the 1850s, but his strap line is restless since 18 whatever. I mean, they're not a food business, but they're, they're you know, it doesn't matter what they are, but they're, they're, they are, they're constantly pivoting. They're a big business. They're, they're one of the biggest manufacturers in, in, in the Midlands. They, you know, they're the biggest, biggest, employer in a in a big midlands town and you know being constantly restless i mean it must be a nightmare if you're not a restless type working in that sort of environment but i mean i went up there and it's it's a town that's not had a great recent history and and yet you know it he, he's managed to recruit people back from london to, to to work there because they're just excited by that sort of restlessness so I mean, paranoia, restless, whatever. You can come up with all these words. They're not necessarily they're not necessarily attributes that you choose to take on holiday with you as a sort of holiday companion. But but actually, I think that's what you need to be successful in business. It's just constantly, you know, pivoting all these sorts of things. So you need so so restless founder. Completely agreed. Because you know, if you, if you it's the, it's the positive paranoia. But then, as your team gets bigger, if and I've, I know this, I'm quite a restless person, and even even with this podcast with my editor, he's like, "Mate, what?" Like, I'm like, "Can you can we do this? Can we do this? Do this?" It's a nightmare, nightmare to go away with. When as your business gets bigger, if you're too restless and you're too all over the shop, it can create friction with your senior leadership team who have have a, have people to look after. How how do founders and and or senior leadership teams manage that? Do that kind of that 
that paradox of needing to be restless, but also needing systems and consistency to actually build a bloody business. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, well, I mean, I think, you know, as you get bigger, you probably, you know, there's a bit of um, division of labour going on. So, you know, I think if the founder stops being restless, then that that's a sort of, that's a potential existential issue. I think having I think having the founder there being restless being quite annoying, but actually restless founders tend to be very charismatic, so they're unlikely to drive away the, the doers, the executors, the whatever that you need in the business as well. As long as there is some, there's somebody in the middle who is sort of translating it. Um, but you, you know, I I mean, I don't think I'm necessarily. I'm not. I'm not actually really a founder of, of businesses. I'm somebody who is intrigued by um attracted by founders i find they're sort of what can the chaos that can probably come from them troubling but not sort of so troubling that i want to run away from them i want to sort of work with them chaos from them troubling by that you mean well i mean i mean i mean that the the early stage founders who who have got who have got a whole load of other issues that they are probably trying to work through in their personalities when they start a business don't necessarily make great bosses and so i think but i find the flaws in the character of the of the business founder very appealing i mean people think i'm a founder people think i'm an entrepreneur i don't know what i am but i'm not i'm not a natural founder i'm much happier working with either the results of that activity or the person themselves and i've done that multiple times some people it's impossible to work with them and they don't want to work with you know they just don't want to listen to you so i'm 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 not that um i'm not a founder but i think that if you lose that energy um you know louise at la is she just i mean when i when i first met her and i tasted the delicious drink that she produced she said to me, and, and, and it wasn't just for show, she said, all I care about is that I get lots of people to try this drink because I love it so much. I remember when I first tried it and I thought, this is so amazing and I just want other people to try it. I mean, you know, of course she wants to make some money out of the business. Of course she wants to do a whole load of other things. But to me, that's what you need in a business. And I think that, you know, I see businesses that have got to a certain stage and they've they've lost that. They've become, you know, brilliantly well-run, brilliantly, you know, process-driven so I think you you kind of need you know you need to retain that, mm-hmm. but but not not at the expense. You know, it does need as you get bigger, you do need some stability. You do need um, you know a program where you decide how how you launch new products, and you don't. You know, there's nothing more annoying when you reach a certain size and and you tell the supermarket you're about to come out with something, and it and it arrives three months late because that doesn't fit in with their business model. You know, they need the stuff to arrive on time. And that means, you know, they've got a program. They're, they're you know, they're quite bureaucratic because they're big. So you have to fit in with that and you need to understand that. And if if the business founder is still saying, nah, well, that's not the way I work, then you're never going to get anywhere. So you do need a bit of both. But I think the most successful, most interesting businesses are where that founder energy is still, you know, if they're not there full time, they're still there, um, you know, I've never worked with Julian Metcalf. I, you know, see a bit of him, but you know, you, you, I don't know if you come if you. I've been years, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, someone like Julian, everyone say, you know, he is a kind of restless founder. Mm. But you know, I've got friends. Well, Mark's another one. I've got friends who who who've worked with him. I've never heard anyone sort of saying, 
said anything other than positive. I'm sure on a day-to-day basis, it's 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 it can be a bit. It's, uneasy, it's taking but- yeah, it's taking the um, it's taking the there, there there will be little moments of hiccups or annoyances, but but you'd much rather have those little moments than then there be no restlessness at all. And I think the analogous way of looking at this is I interviewed a chef. Um, when I was talking to him and he was basically saying as you get bigger or as his brands got bigger the, the chef doesn't need to be in the kitchen all the time mm. he doesn't have to be on the pass every service it's just impossible but there's like a, there's like a there's a there's a vibe and, and the sous chef knows it or, and all the sales director and the, the finance director mm. knows it that there's an omnipresence of ex-chef or ex-founder or Julian Metcalf that's kind of there yeah. and Julian does a great job of doing it like we're doing yeah he has he has one of Steve Jobs's original um or Apple's original computers in the foyer at the Itsu office as you walk through and it's in this like box right mm-hmm. that is a great example of he may be anyway could be on a beach but there's, there's whenever an employee walks past that it's a great thing of like just push the limits um i'm trying to think of some of the things he said like lead by example like that that is leading by example even when he's not there thank you so so much for listening it honestly means the world to me i hope you enjoyed your morning coffee and go and have an amazing day let's be having ya if you want the full episode it will be in the show notes a link will be in the show notes for the full episode thank you so much please leave friends as well it means the world to me